Hello, everyone. Hey, uh, so we just got done doing an interview with uh, Sergeant Pat Moody, um, amazing person, uh, great interview, in my opinion, and just somebody who's extremely passionate about the shooting sports in general. Uh, he's got a really bright future ahead of him, um, and we really hope you enjoy this. Frank, uh, what do you got? Yeah, so Pat was really my first introduction uh, at the 2021 one Mick and 22 Mick He was the rifle instructor for both of those. Got a chance to squad with him at this last championships. And he's legitimately like you say a lot of you say, oh, he's a great guy about a lot of guys, but Pat legitimately is um, a great person. Um, very enthusiastic, very, very good at taking coaching, learns really quickly, and is just a good person to be around. And I can personally attest to that. Um, I agree. I think he's got great things ahead of you, ahead of him. Um, a little bit of conversation here about transitioning out of the Marine Corps. I don't think that really gets talked about a whole lot, um, despite how complex and daunting, honestly, that process is. Um, but I'm glad that conversation came up, especially uh, between you and him. You guys are both going through similar similar obstacles right now. Yeah, and uh, to kind of uh, piggyback off of that, uh, yeah, we didn't have an episode come out last week. Like, you know, Frank just moved up here to Virginia. You know, I'm, I've been going through transition stuff. Uh, our schedules have just been extremely packed. We're, we're going to do our best in keeping them on a weekly basis. But just know if, like, there's a miss one, uh, miss of an interview one week, it's because, you know, we do have some things going on in our lives and, you know, we really do enjoy this. So we try and make every effort that we can to put these episodes out. Yeah, absolutely. We want to stay as consistent as possible. But when push comes to shove, Matt's got to focus on life after the Marine Corps. And I had to focus on getting all my belongings up here and taking care of my wife and all that. So plenty of great content content in the following weeks coming from us i'm about to participate in a lot of the pistol teams summer season i'm very excited for it did some training sessions with them this week so you're yeah i'm, I'm excited for the uh, content that we're about to bring to you guys so uh we hope you enjoy this episode and uh we'll we'll talk to you next week shooters ready stand by Everyone and welcome to the 3G IQ podcast. I'm joined here today with Frank Gao, as well as Pat Moody. So today we're interviewing Pat. Um, he is a member of the Marine Corps Rifle Team. Uh, infectious personality. You know, he's very outspoken, but in a positive manner. Anytime he walks into a room, everybody starts smiling. Just an overall good dude um, and good person. Uh, we're blessed to have him on the team. And so Pat, if you could go ahead and take it and talk about yourself, your MOS, where you came from um, and some of your accolades and achievements. 
Yeah, absolutely. I uh, just want to say thank you both for, for having me here on the podcast. Uh, when you asked me, I was I was pretty stoked. Uh, you know, I've been listening to the podcast and I was hearing about it. And so getting a chance to be on here is awesome. Um, so I was uh, raised in New Hampshire. Uh, you know, when I, growing up, I kind of gravitated towards uh, firearms. I, you know, my wasn't a gun in the house until I asked for one for Christmas. And uh, so I guess growing up, I was kind of hoping that one day I'd get that chance to really, uh, you know, get behind a gun and see what I can see what I can do. So I uh, joined the Marine Corps in uh, 2016, right out of high school. Uh, I ended up getting stationed out in Hawaii with 3rd Radio Battalion. Um, did a deployment to the Philippines from there. Uh, enjoyed my time. Made a lot of a lot of good friends out there. A lot of good connections. And then uh, was lucky enough when I got back from that deployment to participate with Mick uh, Mick uh, Pacific and go and get a chance to shoot there. Uh, at the time, the Mick Micks were organized primarily around um, you know action shooting. Uh, so going into it, I hadn't even, hadn't even fallen with a pistol yet in, uh, the Marine Corps. I shot a handgun a handful of times and, um, took what the instructors said to heart. You know, I just, I, to this day, um, Sergeant, uh, or Corporal Marquis at the time and Sergeant Adams from the pistol team. Like I remember sitting there during every lunch break and just taking anything they would, uh, talk to me about and, uh, ended up playing, placing fourth in pistol you know, earning my way to championships uh, while I was out there. Um, felt like I made a couple good impressions on the, on the right people at the time. And uh, towards the tail end was told like, hey, sounds like they're, they're wanting to interview you. And I, I you know, I kind of, I feel like I kind of stumbled a little bit from each, each place, you know, like when I was told like, hey, you want to shoot Make Make Pacific? I hadn't really heard of the program very much. Um, when I shot it, I didn't know that if I meddled, I would be invited to championships. And when I went to championships, I didn't know that I could stay for uh, the summer season, let alone, you know, eventually being asked to come permanently. So, um, you know, when I talked to people about it, I like to say it was a, a little bit of luck and, um, you know, making this right impressions at the right times and performing uh, when, when I needed to. So, um, you know, started my summer season there in uh, 2019 and, uh, it was it was really awesome crew that we had that year. Um, a lot of people that took uh, took us young guys under their wing, and you know showed us the sport of high power rifle shooting, which uh, I had never really experienced before. Um, it was something that you know on the, the rifle range for ART you get a taste of of that bullseye shooting, but you know this was well, the way they described it was you know that was NASCAR. This is F1. You know you're you're really stepping up the the weapons performance and. So now, you know, if the gun can hold a quarter minute, what can you hold? Uh, and mm-hmm. you're up against the the best shooters in the world, you know, especially the the armed marksmanship unit who, you know, competes internationally and, and sees great success, you know, even in the in the Olympics. And so, um, kind of time, you know, as a summer shooter, quite a bit of pressure on you to uh, to do well. Um, and so I, you know. I felt that pressure going into it, but I feel like that's something that helped me um, really thrive too. Uh, and I think that's something that you kind of need in this community is when the pressure's on, when the timer goes off uh, in action shooting or in the in uh, rifle, you know, when the timer goes and, you, and your target comes up, like being able to use that to propel yourself towards, you know, success. Um, 
Yeah, that's, that's pretty much my kind of journey to the team that summer season about halfway through. Um, they asked me if I would come permanently. And at the time, I was either going to go back to my unit and do one more rotation out to the Philippines and probably be looking at getting out or, you know, I could undertake what has turned out to be, you know, one of the greatest experiences of, of my life. So would you say uh, attitude has kind of really been a, played a huge part in keeping a positive attitude? really played a huge part in you coming to the team. I mean, obviously uh, talent and being able to perform on demand is a huge aspect, but would you say that having that positive attitude and just making friends along the way helped out as well? Absolutely. Um, you know, my, for championships is a great example of that. Uh, I was, you know, a little about middle of the pack and rifle and pretty uh, abysmal at bullseye pistol. Um, but you know, I, I, I always kept a good attitude about it. Even when pistol wasn't going well, I still, you know, told myself to try my hardest because, you know, it. I feel like it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter how bad you're doing. It's just, you know, if you can continue to recover and ultimately, you know, have a, have a good time because, you know, bullseye is a, a sport where, you know, you can leave the 200 yard line after shooting your standing and you could have dropped enough points that you're not even close to, to um, succeeding that day. You know, you might be way outside the metal bracket in your first 10 shots, but, you know, you still have to do two more yard lines and three more positions. And so, you know, on those days, are you going to, you know, follow up your emotions and sit down in your chair and just try and, you know, forget about the world? Or do you take the time to be like, okay, I can be more of an asset to my team today. You know, like, you know, there's guys out here that need help. You know, maybe I can jam someone's mags while they're uh, trying to focus on, what, you know, something they're taking care, care of, um, talk to them about the wind and walk them through that. And so I, I feel like having that positive attitude and, and thinking about the team over your individual performance um, will help you anywhere in life, but especially in, in the shooting community and with the team. So uh, it kind of leads me into my next question. So obviously, um, and those don't, who don't know, like Pat hasn't been able to compete this season at all. Inner service rifles going on right now, and he hasn't been able to compete. He's going through some health stuff as he's preparing to uh, get out of the Marine Corps, but you have been in communication with the rifle team. So can you kind of tell everybody what the team's season has been like so far and how it's compared to other seasons from whenever you were shooting on the team? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I've been in communication with their their coach right now, Sergeant uh, Austin Hill. He's awesome. You know, he really stepped up and came in, came to the team at a time when we needed him, where a lot of our permanent personnel that have a lot of that experience have been naturally rotating out and, uh, you know, ending their time with the team. So, you know, this season I would say is different than other seasons in the sense that there's less of that, uh, you know, permanent personnel and summer shooter divide. Uh, you know, the, the, the primary number of folks with the team right now, I'd say, is, is summer shooters, um, which I think can lend towards, you know, a tighter bond and, uh, you know, a tighter knit team where, you know, when everyone kind of is starting from around the same place and learning together, um, and you, you have less of that divide of, you know, I don't want to say there was ever any, like, el elitism or separation between permanent uh, personnel on the team, but, you know, you just become a little more tight knit, I'd say, and, from what I talked to them, they just did, they did a trip out to uh, Tennessee a little while back, and now competing at inner service. And uh, you know the 
the folks I've been shooting with the team for a number of years now are stepping up and, you know, really helping out the, the young guys and the young guys are, are eating it up. You know, that's something that uh, the only thing you can really ask for from a summer shooter is the, you know, their drive to get better. Uh, you know, you're going to get them at whatever level they're at and you can only take them as far as the time you have with them. But, you know, I just heard from them uh, the other day, one of our uh, Lance Corporals, one of the, uh, you know, lowest ranking summer shooters I think we've ever, you know, had, he put up a, a 198 out of 200 on his feet, which is something that, you know, I've only ever done once. So, And, and for those who are wondering uh, what he means by on his feet, it's, it's essentially shooting offhand at 200 yards, uh, no support whatsoever besides a sling, and hitting what a six-inch bullseye target at 200 yards. So 200, it's a, a three-inch bullseye. Okay. Six mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so it's it's a pretty incredible feat to be able to you know shoot one x, let alone you know put up a score like a 198. And I think he was only beat out by you know one or two of the AMU shooters even. So uh, you know it's you know, even when you have less permanent personnel on the team, like it always seems like the, the summer shooters manage to step it up and really put up some great numbers. Well, it's it's really cool to see like some of the summer shooters, like uh, Captain Jared Proctor and then Gunny Ramu. You know, I saw some updates on them, and it's like they set they they not only set some records for themselves and their own performance because things just kind of clicked, but also uh, they they ended up I think taking a first, second, and third. Uh, placement at Oak Ridge. It was, I, I don't remember exactly, but I remember, you know, seeing the post on it, but I know it was something along those lines, but I talked to Captain Proctor whenever he came back and he was like, dude, it just, it seemed like everything just clicked uh, the way it needed to and processes just occurred. And I was able to set my own records and milestones. And that's, that's pretty impressive, you know, for a, a guy coming in the summer and not doing it a permanently absolutely you know and bullseye is a pretty foreign sport for people that are experiencing it for the first time um you know you get into a shooting jacket and uh you get your sling on that you might have a loop sling that you might not have ever experienced before and uh you know the name of the game with bullseye is consistency and you know the only way to build consistency is repetitions and so when you, you've never done it before and now you only get a chance of about five, four or five months before you head to nationals and you have to compete on the national level or inner service and compete against the best, uh, you know, military shooters uh, in the country, it's, it's pretty difficult to build that, uh, that consistency that you need to be successful. So it's awesome to see it when, you know, summer shooters can put it together and you know, do really well on, you know, whether it's a 500 uh, point aggregate or, you know, just one yard line uh, because it's, it really shows their dedication uh, to the sport. I wasn't expecting to hear uh, Jared Fokker's name. Him and I were listening mm-hmm. to the other Miramar back in like 2015. So. He's an awesome dude. I love that mm-hmm. guy. Yeah. Um, good for him. Glad he became a summer augment. I want to pull out something that you talked about, um, Pat, when you talked about like, you know, dropping too many points at the 200 and knowing that you weren't going to be competitive, but then your mindset shifts to like, how can I support my teammates? Cause ultimately you are on a team and um, that, that's what it's all about. Uh, you kind of remind me of like the month after I, I ended up tearing my Achilles and um, Sam Nelson and Ben Faust, they, they kept shooting matches 
And they're like, you sure you still want to go? I was like, yeah, I'll drive. And they're like, but your ankle. I was like, well, it's my left ankle. I drive with my mm-hmm. right foot. Not going to be a big deal. Um, but I still went and uh, I ran the school. I ran the tablet and couldn't really chase after shooters. Um, it was kind of freeing in a way. I would just be able to sit there and talk, talk through like stage plans and I'd be able to focus on other shooters and just kind of diagnose like what they were doing. And I get a lot of comments like um, Raider said something that effect when I was out in Florida in January, he's like, you saw you're injured and like kind of sucks. I'm like, yeah, dude, but what's the alternative that I sit home alone and I just miss the thing, miss doing the thing that I love. So good on you for having that mindset, man. And I think that's definitely um, made you successful in a lot of ways. Um, speaking of success. So we shot together in championships in April and what I saw from you is I saw a huge stride in terms of like action shooting, right? Um, I saw that Sam Nelson was coaching you a little bit and that you were taking, you're taking in a lot of that coaching. So what helped you make that transition into action shooting? And would you say any skill sets from like high power rifle uh, transitions into action or vice versa? Yeah, you know, I initially came to the team because of my performance uh, with action pistol. So, you know, I've always been interested in it and uh, it's something that when I got to the team, I wanted to make sure I took the opportunity while I was around the best shooters I'm probably ever going to know to pick their brains and get all the information I could. Um, And championships is an awesome time for that because, you know, with the introduction of, or the reintroduction of bullseye, we had a lot of the guys in the team that needed to learn how to shoot that sport. And it kind of gave me that letter to be like, hey, I'll help you with bullseye. You help me with, you know, pistol or rifle action. And, you know, I think with, you know, with a lot of things in life, as long as you have that drive and, and the, the will to learn something, you know, there's people out there that want to teach. Uh, you know, Sam Nelson is a great, great example. We're both um, from the 2600 uh, signals intelligence field. So we kind of, when he came to the team, it was, it was I felt like already a connection t- uh, to him. We got squatted together for championships and, you know, with the weeks running up to it, we were on the range together, uh, you know, run, going through pistol and he was teaching me all the stuff that he, he, he could. Um, it's just, you know, with the people on the team, we're all instructors first, in my opinion, you know, it's like we, we compete in order to instruct the Marine Corps. So these guys are just the best and being able to pick their brains. Um, it's, it's no brainer that I've been able to get better. It's more, more uh, I'd attribute to their ability to instruct uh, than mine, you know, to learn because they're just they're just awesome at it. Um, and then you know with the skills from high power, it's it's funny once I kind of you know started the high power sport, how many aspects of my life I've noticed my I start using techniques I use in high power. Um, just kind of a goofy example of I was playing cornhole the other day, and I had a pre-shot routine for my cornhole throw, you know. <laughs> little things like that, that um, put you in the right mindset. And so when I was about to run a stage, I would kind of try and put myself in that same mindset that I would before I would shoot, um, you know, a yard line during uh, bullseye. You just kind of calm yourself down, get your heart rate down um, and putting the plan into autopilot and letting your, you know, just focusing on the shots that you're taking and not so much, you know, maybe like, you know, the footwork and the transitions and the reloads, letting all those kind of be automatic functions as you go through the stage. You know, hopefully that's why, you know, but I always, you know, have a difficult time on the first stage and then kind of ease into it from there. 
Uh, my first stage at championships, I did two reloads um, and, and there were not enough targets to warrant two reloads, trust me. So, um, but you know, it's after that, I, I took a step back and talked with um, South Carolina Raider and, and with uh, Nelson and they're like, hey man, at least the reloads look good. <laughs> and that little positivity to kind of help me recover from there and, and keep, keep trying. So what's, uh, what's changed in the way that you view shooting from when you first joined the team to now? Man, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy that, um, you know, like when I first started getting into shooting as a kid, it was like a bolt action 22 and I joined the Marine Corps and the rifle range wasn't exactly what I expected it to be. Uh, I don't know if anyone knows what to expect coming in and then, uh, shooting my first Mick was I feel like the first time I really experienced dynamic, um, useful uh, shooting. That was just, I, I finally felt like I was doing something that was, this is, this is where it's at. This is what I should be learning. This is what's gonna, you know, keep me alive one day. And so I'd say, you know, coming to the team, it was kind of like just this epiphany of, you know, this is where, you know, excellence shooting is, you know, I mean, from the, you know, the bullseye team with, you know, going back to the thousand yard line and, and putting, uh, multiple rounds into a 10 inch target, you know, the bullseye at a thousand is 10 inches. So it's, you know, from that to the action side of, you know, nailing down your draw to the point that, uh, you know, you're outperforming anyone else that you might, uh, run into. Like, that's just that mindset of like that excellence and that repetition it takes to get out there and, and get to that level. Um, that's really what the team, uh, showed me was that like you can get to this incredible level and it, it just takes the dedication um and the and being on the team gave me that opportunity to try and get to those levels and ultimately you know led to you know this this last uh season with the team uh you know we had our team win at the uh inner service uh itt which is a um really cool match and then go up to nationals and uh, we won a long range uh, uh, trophy match up there, which was, you know, just all those hours and on the gun and the sweltering heat really finally coming together. So this next question I have for you, it's kind of, it, it, it's a two to three part question. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so you are getting out of the Marine Corps. Uh, so first I want to ask, um, do you have any advice for Marines getting out of the Marine Corps as you go through the transition process? Like you and I are both getting out. And a lot of the times, whenever it comes to getting out of the Marine Corps, um, people don't know because the people in charge are, have never gotten out themselves. So what kind of advice would you offer to people who are getting out of the Marine Corps? Um, the second part to that question, what, are your future plans after you're finally out and transitioned out? And then how does shooting factor into your plans once you're out of the Marine Corps? So I'd, I'd say advice wise, um, it's never too early to start thinking about your transition. Um, I, I still kind of kick myself for waiting as long as I did. Um, you always feel like you have uh, plenty of time until you start looking at these timelines and, like, right, I'm six months out and I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to have a list of things done already. So, um, start early. Uh, I had some difficulty initially trying to get a hold of, um, 
you know, your, your unit will have a transition uh, counselor now uh, that's supposed to have, you know, been gone through some classes and will help you coordinate with your, um, your actual like transition counselor um, from the base. Uh, you know, if you're having difficulty with coordinating with that person, getting a hold of them, um, you know, maybe they're giving you a little bit of a runaround. I would encourage you to figure out where the actual base transition people work and, you know, stop in. They're probably really nice people. And on Marine Corps Base Quantico, they absolutely are. Um, my counselor was trying to sign me up for TRS for an in-person class. And uh, where I was at in my timeline, I wasn't eligible for in-person classes. Uh, I, was, I was needing to take online classes. And uh, unfortunately, since he didn't know that, we missed like two in-person classes. He's trying to sign me up where I was losing like weeks at this point trying to uh, figure this out and eventually one day I just had enough and drove over there figured out where they were walked in and the nicest people in the world that sat me down and helped me out and um, really started uh, what hopefully is now going to be a successful transition out so I'd say advice wise is start early um, don't underestimate how much work there is that goes into it and you know if you need to talk to someone like COVID kind of made it this whole uh, you know, people want you to call and they don't want you to come into their office and stuff, but uh, just figure out where they work and go give them a visit because you're going to get so much better help in person when they can't just kind of blow you off. And I don't, I'm not saying people want to do that, but, you know, over a phone call, you're probably not going to get all the information that you need or uh, wanted than, you know, when you talk to someone in person. Uh, and finally, you know, there's a great program for your uh, VA disability, the BDD, where you can start within 180 to 90 days of getting out, which uh, the BDD benefits uh, delivered at discharge. It's supposed to be a program where you can actually step out of the Marine Corps and be receiving your VA disability, which will really help with that time of transition, that time of uncertainty where, you know, a lot of Marines might not exactly know where their next uh you know, steady pay is going to come from, and it's always your disabilities done. You don't have to worry about doing appointments and running around um, in your hometown. You can do them all around your uh, base that you're stationed at. You know, uh, I'll, I'll add a bit of advice in there too. Um, one thing I've learned is like, you know, do not try and have this alpha male personality whenever you're trying to deal with people because you're not going to get anywhere and people aren't going to want to help you. You need to you know, you need to be able to work with people, stay calm and understand like there's hundreds of Marines trying to get out. So they're dealing with people all the time. So you can't fault them if they can't get back to you right off the bat. Like, mm -hmm. like Pat said, go in person and they're, they're going to be some of the nicest people that you could work with and just talk to them in person. So next part, future plans. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, my, I'm from New Hampshire, like I said earlier, and my wife is actually from California. So uh, you know, we decided to pick a spot in the middle, which is uh, most of the country. And um, we, we kind of ran through some needs and wants of what we uh, wanted from a state we lived in and ended up settling on Tennessee. Uh, everyone I've ever talked to about Tennessee who's either lived there or been there, um, has always recommended it and said it's beautiful. And we, we drove through it when we moved my wife out here to Virginia from uh, California on our road trip. And uh, we're both you know, really just excited to kind of start this, this next chapter. So um, we're getting out and the plan is to get out there and 
uh, find some find some work to start out with so he can qualify for a mortgage and and get into a house. You know, we got a we got a dog. His name's uh, German Shepherd named Bjorn. He hasn't had a yard now for about two years, and we feel like we owe it to him a little bit to to get him a nice backyard that he can run around in. And and so I'm looking for some work there. Going to start uh, applications. We're going to have a timeline on that, and then uh, transitioning into going to school for the spring semester of uh, 2023. Uh, both of us are planning to go to uh, University of Tennessee Knoxville. Um, we're just really. Ex- I, I've never been to college. You know, I joined the Marine Corps right out of. Uh, high school. So I'm really excited to do this and kind of pursue uh, higher education. Uh, I, I really did enjoy like learning in high school. Uh, you know, there's a reason I ended up going into the Intel field. And so I'm, I'm excited to start that. My wife, she recently uh, finished up her associate's degree in um, uh, finance. And so now she's going to be going to uh, finish up her uh, bachelor's. And so that's kind of our, the next chapter here is, uh, you know, going out to Knoxville and, and both of us starting back up school. And uh, do you still plan on continuing shooting competitions or you want to bring it back to something like just going out to the range and having some fun? You know, I, I really do want to uh, continue shooting competition wise. Uh, I think, you know, something I talked about with, with the wife was, you know, as I was, you know, during this transition process, I've been kind of hit up by the uh, Marine Corps Reserve team, you know, asking tentatively like, if I'd be interested in that. And, um, and then just thinking on my own, like if I would want to go to competitions and I think I want to get out and let the, you know, sport kind of call me back, uh, start getting that itch again to go out to the range. Um, you know, one thing that happens with, with the team kind of naturally is that it's, you know, a lot of shooting in a, in a pretty condensed period of time. And, you know, I still love absolutely going out to the range and, um, I, I love shooting. Um, I just want to kind of take the time to do my transition right and um you know find my community once i get to knoxville you know find the range that's running the competitions and kind of just naturally uh fall into the fold of that and ultimately something i really i really enjoyed by my favorite thing about being on the team was instructing and so like if i can get the opportunity to uh you know some firearm instruction i would i would love to do that as well as a competition i still i agree uh I think I'm kind of going to follow in suit of like what you're doing. Um, like that, you know, competition and shooting is such a huge part of our lives. Like we, you know, shoot, I'm hosting a podcast all about it with Frank mm-hmm. and, you know, I, I love it, but um, kind of like you, I think I'm going to, I'm going to kind of enjoy the transition process and, and get out and actually uh sp- take the time that I need with the family before I start, you know, any other commitments, you know, I'm lucky in the fact that I can go to the neighbor's property and we have a 700 yard range right there, you know, a mile away from where I live. So if I, if I feel the itch, I need to shoot, I can go there. But I think, you know, before I really start getting big and heavy into competition again, I want to make sure, my entire life is in order because like for all of us, like you've been in, you'll, you'll serve what close to eight years, you know, um, I'll be finishing a 20 year career. Like this is what we know. And I think you need to, I think the smart thing is, is actually taking the time to not rush anything and doing things when you're absolutely ready to. Absolutely. 
All right. So uh, this topic came up because I heard you say the word wicked while we're at championships. <laughs> and I was like, huh, there's only that only shows up in one part of the country's vernacular, and that's the Northeast. So what words in the English language do you think draw out that New England accent the, the best? Uh, it's funny you mentioned it. Um, you know, there's definitely a handful of staples like, uh, you know, like lobster, get that lobster, you know, yeah. car, you know. Water. Oh, oh yeah, water. It's, it's, the <laughs> awesome. it's the awesome that does it. Oh, absolutely. Is that drawn out, uh, you know. Um, I know one that I always did is I say orange um, instead of orange. I don't know if that's even New England at that point. Like, yeah. My, my wife says, um, she doesn't say room, she says rum. I don't know if that's a Northeast thing. I don't, <laughs> I feel like the thing in the Northeast is, you know, some people are in such a the hurry that we're just throwing words out there and hoping they, you know, stick. <laughs> yeah, I, I think my, go ahead. Matt. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I think my problem, because like my wife's from England and everything, is sometimes I'll just start throwing uh, British phrases out there. And people are like, what? I was like, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> let me say it in American. Yeah. <laughs> All the idiomatic language. Um, I think the, so I'm, I'm a Californian, but I, um, I went to school in Boston. And I think the moment where it first hit me was something had happened. I was, I was going to Emerson, so I was in the middle of the city in Boston. And something happened with the water supply. And the Boston Police Department was literally driving through the city with a megaphone. And they were saying, I shit you not, there's the Boston Police Department. Please don't drink the water. Like, over and over again. And at that time, I was like, yeah, this, this was worth the price of tuition. This is, uh, this is something I wouldn't have gotten in California. So um, I've, I've come to like it. I like the Northeast. Obviously, I'm married into a family from the Northeast. Um, you don't have much of an accent, though, Pat. No, it's, it, it feels like it kind of um, eroded away a little bit, too, with my time in service. Um, and also picking up new phrases. You know, I feel like that's like, a, like what Matt said is, you know, you're around people enough that say like kind of particular phrases. And um, so I, you know, I never grew up saying y'all. That wasn't anything in my vernacular. And now I find myself saying it twice in one sentence. You know? yeah. <laughs> um, the Marine Corps, I feel like, is a good, is a melting pot of different accents and phrases and you spend enough time and all of a sudden you kind of get a little bit diluted and at the same time picking up things from uh, other other folks you spend time around. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm from New Hampshire and we're, we definitely don't have distinct an accent as, you know, people from like Boston, you know, and even people from Maine who get a little bit close to that Canadian border and start picking up some of those. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, I can definitely see that. Um, our friend from Minnesota is basically the same as like, dude, you're basically Canadian. Um, last question for you, man. So you've shot, you've shot with the team for a couple of years. Um, if you had to put together a dream team, four shooters, yourself included, who would it be? Best chance of success. I don't like uh, four for bullseye. Yeah, yeah, bullseye. Okay, you said four. Yeah. All right. So yeah, up at national, you got a four-man cup. That's four-man team match um first name always comes uh chris williams um him and i good uh, man buddies, we we were uh <laughs> we were shooting partners uh this last season together and uh for the dogs of war uh six-man team competition is pretty much the biggest competition of the year up in nationals uh we we're shooting partners for it and we we both shot a 493 out of 
uh, 500 and he got me by one X. Uh, so he's, he'd be my first go-to. He's just a really funny guy and you can't really keep him down. And so you keep the spirits high on the team. Um, number two, uh, uh, Shane Butler. Hell yeah. We were lucky enough to have on the team for, um, uh, like a couple of years before he actually was, um, picked up by the army, by the army marksmanship unit. So, you know, anybody that shot with the Marine Corps uh, and then was picked up by the Army, you know, is is uh, is a really awesome shooter. Uh, he actually just did really well out here for inner service, um, I, placing six overall yeah. in the overall aggregate. Uh, and he is just an awesome guy, an awesome shooter, um, rock solid. Uh, do that really will put the team on it on his back. Um, Very passionate. Like, oh, he's absolutely. extremely passionate. Everything he does, like, he just pours his heart and soul into it. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you will never find that guy half-assing something in his life. Um, whether it's his physical fitness, you know, shooting with the team, or, you know, even just, you know, time that he spends with his family. Like, he is putting his 100% into it. And uh, it's something that, you know, as a shooter, has really served him, uh, served him well. And then uh, finally, I think, you know, to really round out, especially with a little bit of the coaching aspect, uh, aspect, uh, Steph Sergeant Collier. Um, he's a, uh, a guy that I've known my whole time on the team. He came to the team permanently when I started my summer season. And I still remember my first summer season, he got uh, placed second overall in the President's 100, uh, which is a really um, high profile match at Nationals where uh, you're shooting to be in the top. 100 shooters to make the presence 100 out of you know thousands of people that are participating but also if you're in the top 20 you enter into a shoot off at the 600 where um out of 10 shots uh you, you're competing against the other 20 people there and it adds to the overall aggregate so uh you know you, you, you can start in 20th place and work your way up to and do a higher placement you start in first and drop down into worse uh, so Stephen Corey went into that and ended up finishing uh, second overall. And so to this day, that's something that you're probably the, the one of the most amazing you know achievements I've I've seen in person. And he took up the mantle of coaching uh, this last season, and you know put the gun uh, put the gun up and really did an amazing job as as coach. You know it's hard with the with the rifle team sometimes when you have to pull one of your best shooters, if not, you know, your best shooter off the gun in order to have a, a competent coach for the better of the team. And so the fact that he was, you know, able to switch hats like that and also just put his personal, um, you know, personal wants and, and, of, and desire of doing well. I mean, he just got second overall in the President's 100. This guy was ready to go back there and take first. Um, but he, you know, put the gun up and, and picked up coaching and really, put the team on his back for that entire season and led us to um, an inner service championship and a national championship. So, uh, you know, those four guys, like there's, there's, there's a ton of guys that I could list in, in a team that I'd love to have alongside me, but those four, uh, those three guys other than myself are just some of the best. Uh, love those guys and shout out to, uh, to Gunny Rhodes as well as someone that um, would always have, he's a winner. Gunny, Gunny Rhodes is an absolute winner of uh individual. i'm pretty sure his first mick mickey double gold uh <laughs> the only one that he has double gold uh and that guy you know was on the rifle team uh my sap and co i uh, got moved over to the pistol team and continued to just excel and succeed and just 
awesome guy, awesome family man as well. Well, Pat, I really appreciate you coming on here. It's been an amazing uh, time being able to serve with you on the team, uh, see you grow and become, you know, the person you are today. And just uh, it's been a pleasure knowing you and I can't wait to see what the future holds after you get out of the Marine Corps. So thank you for everything that you've done for us as a team. And thank you for uh, being such a great Marine. Thank you so much. It really, it really means the world uh, to hear you say that. And, and thank you for being an awesome mentor, Gunny. I knew, I knew any time that I needed something like serious, taking care of or help with something, uh, yeah, you were someone that I could, I could always go to and, uh, and get help with stuff. And uh, so it's really, it really means a lot to hear you say that. And thank you. It's been an awesome time on the team with you as well. It's been a pleasure. I can't wait to see where we both end up after the Marine Corps. But Absolutely. listeners, thank you for uh, tuning in. Um, let us know what you think. Uh, tell us what you want to hear about. And we'll talk to you later. Have a good one.